All right, guys, we're going to go ahead and get started here. Gave you guys a couple minutes. I think there was some confusion. Maybe people thought this was in the sanctuary or something like that. So that's okay. Yes, yeah, I never saw the email until this morning. I was like, oh, that's not true. Um, so yeah, we'll do some review since it's been a couple of weeks, just real briefly. And then I wasn't sure the best way, a lot of this class, I'm not really sure like the best way to approach this. I'm not following like any book. I'm just kind of throwing a bunch of stuff together. Um, and so I thought the best thing was just kind of go through this survey of some Psalms that I think are really helpful. And then in the weeks to come, we'll get real specific, like, okay, we're struggling with an introspection when it comes to guilt, um, sin. I think a lot of these principles are applicable to whatever your issue is. Um, and so I just kind of wanted to get big picture a little bit, a lot of Psalms. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in a lot of different Psalms uh, this morning. Before we begin, let me pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for bringing us together. Thank you that um, you have brought us here, um, that we as your people um, have the desire to sit under your word, um, to learn and grow in Christ-likeness, that we desire to um, fight the good fight of the faith. Um, and ultimately, all of that, even our desire to honor you, ultimately comes from you. And so it is right for us to give all praise and glory to you. Lord, continue to um, fan us into flame, um, to desire to press on um, for the cause of Christ. So just pray that as we look at these psalms, that they would be encouraging um, to each and every person, that there would be biblical principles that we take and run with um, and apply to our lives in terms of how we counsel ourselves um, and dealing with some of these stubborn thoughts that we might have. We ask you to bless this time. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So just going to do some review real quick. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. Um, big picture, I talked about this week one. Uh, the majority of the class, I think, is dealing with what's the wrong way to examine ourselves. Um, I think in the weeks to come, maybe we'll get into some right way, right? But I, I think throughout, as we analyze the wrong way, we're realizing some good principles, what we should do. Um, so I don't think it's just one or the other. Um, but thinking through what's the wrong way to examine ourselves, this is typically when we're talking about introspection, where we're just stuck alone with our thoughts, and we can't get out of there, and we might, might get into a state of what we might call spiritual depression. And so critiquing that, how do we get out of that? And on the other side, what's the right way? How should we do that? Um, how does the Bible talk about that? We spent um, the second week talking about fighting the fight of the faith, that this is kind of ordinary Christianity, right? This is day in, day out. It's a spiritual conflict, um, fighting against um, Satan and his devils. Um, Ephesians 6 is very clear on that, but also fighting against our flesh, um, that though we are alive in Christ, we have a standing in him. Um, sin nature has not been wholly mortified um, until we are glorified um, and with the Lord in heaven. And then two weeks ago, uh, we talked about understanding ourselves kind of talking about how we work, breaking down the, the faculties of the soul, right? So I was thinking about, uh, kind of went through church history too, thinking about our understanding, you know, our thinking, uh, the affections, maybe our, our feelings, our um, dispositions, inclinations of love, hatred, desiring, stuff like that. And then the will, actually the desire to carry that out and do it. And I think how the conscience kind of works is sometimes our self-understanding of all of that. Um, and that's kind of just how... I work through that. And so one of the problems with introspection sometimes is we don't even understand ourselves. <laughs> and so we need to maybe slow down, think through how we work. 
And so I shared this quote, I think last week, um, from Lloyd-Jones. This is kind of just this big picture principle. The main art in the matter of spiritual living, this matter of life in Christ, is to know how to handle yourself. You have to take yourself in hand. You have to address yourself, preach yourself, question yourself. You must say to your soul, why are you cast down? What business have you to be disquieted? You must turn on yourself, upbraid yourself, condemn yourself, exhort yourself, and say to yourself, hope in God instead of muttering in this depressed, unhappy way. And there he's commenting on Psalm 42, which is where we're going to start. We're going to spend quite a bit of time in Psalm 42. I think that's excellent. You have to start there, that main principle of knowing how to handle ourselves, talking to ourselves, preaching to ourselves, and questioning yourself. And so uh, this morning, like I already said, I kind of want to do a Psalms kind of carpet bombing, or like strafing run. Those are some military terms. Um, Try and get, like, big picture. I'm going to paint with broad brush strokes, okay? There's a more non-military illustration, okay? Trying to, trying to cover big picture, big principle, look generally at some specific psalms, and I think that these will help us um, as we fight introspection. I don't think I've shared this in this class before, maybe in another one. John Calvin on the psalms, I thought this was really helpful. He says the psalms are an anatomy of all parts of the soul. So if you go back to, you know, mind affections, will, conscience. He says, it's an anatomy of all those parts, for there is not an emotion of which anyone can be conscious that is not here represented as in a mirror. Just really helpful. And so regardless of what your problem might be, you don't know what to do. You're, you're stuck thinking about your thinking, and you don't know where to turn. You're just overwhelmed with what's going on. Go to the Psalms. I mean, this is just a really good place to start. Run to the Psalms. Um, and I want to give you, like I said, a couple. I just say this. Don't forget these. Like, it's, 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 this is just me. Sometimes you'll hear a good sermon, and it's like, wow, that was really good. And then you don't, like, make a note to yourself. Like, I need to come back to this. It's just kind of like you move on. Don't do that, okay? Um, I mean, as we, as we talked about, you know, Ephesians 6, the armor of God. Take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. One of these psalms could be the sword of the Spirit that God is giving you to fight this battle, Okay? So don't go, wow, that sword is what I really need, and then just forget about it, right? Like, pick it up, take it up, continue, and press on and fight the good fight um, with that psalm. So Psalm 42, if you're not there, turn there. Psalm 42. Psalm 42. This, I think, I even left you in your notes, like, more space, because I think this is the key psalm to turn to. This is, has been really helpful in my own life, um, and I hope it's, it's helpful in yours as well. Let's read Psalm 42. Let's just start verse 1. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? We don't know exactly all uh, what's going on in this guy's experience. He's clearly not doing well, okay? Like, it's not like, I want to be in this guy's position. No, okay? He's struggling, right? What did you say? I, my, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. He's longing for God's presence. He's, or at least his experience, maybe you could say, of God's presence is gone, and he's missing out. He's crying himself to sleep at night, right? And throughout all the day. My tears have been my food day and night. He's got people, you know, talking to him, saying, what, where is your God? So 
there's some external pressure, there's some internal pressure. He's got threats on all sides and in all areas, you might say. His conscience is concerned, what do I do? Okay, and this is, I think, a good principle already where the Psalms are so helpful. Oftentimes in biblical interpretation, you don't want to put yourself in the story. Like, you know, like, oh, this is about Jesus healing this person. Well, I want to be like Jesus. It's like, nope. No, that's not the point. <laughs> you need to look at Jesus and his greatness and his power that he's God. But with the Psalms, I think it's actually okay to kind of put yourself in the psalmist situation. Does that make sense? Right? It's pretty rare that you want to do that in the Bible, but oftentimes with the Psalms, you can do that, right? Just put yourself in, in this situation and walk through this with the psalmist, right? So maybe, maybe verse one, maybe you are restless. Maybe your soul is just man, I'm longing for God. Verse 2, he's just longing for him. His soul is thirsting for him, his whole being, his presence. When shall I come and appear before God? He wants to uh, see him. It's possible, and we're going to see this in verse 4, he's probably talking about the corporate assembly of God's people. He wants to gather with God's people. That's when he will come and appear before God. Maybe verse 3, this is literally you. Maybe you're crying yourself to sleep tonight. Okay, maybe that's you. You're, you're sorrowful. You have people who are saying, hey, where is your God in all your trials and afflictions? Does that make sense? Put yourself maybe in his situation. Okay, this is kind of what's going on. Verse four, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I'd go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. He's reminiscing on the good old days, right? He's pouring out his soul. These things I remember. What is he remembering? It's this picture of this corporate worship, how I'd go with the throng, with uh, you know, God's people, and lead them in procession. He's actually leading them to God's temple with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival, right? At that point, he wasn't crying. At that point, he wasn't sorrowful. At that point, there weren't people you know, crying out to him, where is your God? And so he's remembering these past things, his joy, what he's thinking about is gathering with God's people in worship. I think this is kind of an aside, but I think this is one thing that, one good thing that COVID did. <laughs> it's like we, were, we missed church for like two weeks and we're like, this is horrible. This stinks, All right? And so I think that was good. The Lord used that for the good of his church because I think his people realized, wow, we really need each other. We really need to come together. We really need um, to sit under the word. We really need to pray together. We really need to sing songs of worship together. And that's what this guy is reminiscing on. Man, I'm missing out on that. That's what he wants. He wants to be with God's people. And I think this is just kind of an aside, um, but related to this introspection, I think maybe you're introspecting because you're alone with me, myself, and I, right? Where it's just you and you're putting yourself in situations where you're isolated. I would just say this in following the psalmist's example of what he wants to do, be with God's people, but for some reason he's prevented from it, be with God's people. Get yourself out of situations where you're alone with your thoughts for long periods of time. That's not going to be good, okay? So, I mean, that's just real practical. If you're, you know, up into the wee hours of the night, let's just say, and it's just you, your thoughts, and maybe something even, you know, like social media. And it's just like, man, I keep struggling with self-image, or maybe even language like identity, which we talked about. Well, there's probably a reason why. It's because you're filling yourself with these thoughts. Does that make sense? So get yourself out of those types of situations. 
But back to the text, let me get back here. Verse 5. This is a verse to remember, continually run to. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. This is such a key verse. This is one to memorize. This is one he even repeats it to himself later in verse 11. And actually, probably Psalm 43 is meant to be read with Psalm 42, because the key refrain is also at the end of Psalm 43. 43 verse 5. That's just an aside. But anyways, they're probably meant, the Psalms are meant to be read together. So three times, you could say in this one unit, he's preaching to himself. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. This is such a good quote. This is from Lloyd-Jones again. He says, this is the main cause of spiritual depression. Okay? So, you know, introspection, I would argue, leads to this spiritual depression. Here's what he says is the main cause of why we get to that place. Very briefly at this point, the first thing we have to learn is what the psalmist learned. We must learn to take ourselves in hand. I say that we must talk to ourselves instead of allowing ourselves to talk to us. Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? So good. It's so helpful. Like, you're just sitting there listening to your conscience, maybe, telling you all these things, and you need to say, what are you doing? Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? What are you doing? We've got to work on and get better at talking to ourselves rather than listening to ourselves. Now, I mentioned this in week one. Remember how I talked about how I think introspection makes kind of more like condemning statements? You're pathetic. You're terrible. I can't believe you did this again. I feel like biblical self-examination, which is healthy, is doing what the psalmist does here in verse five. He's asking questions. Why are you cast down? What are you doing? And then he doesn't just leave it there. He moves on and says, here's what you need to do. You need to hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. He asks why he's in this condition rather than just saying, you're a pathetic loser. He asks why, and then he tells himself what he needs to do. I think it's significant in this psalm, and honestly, a lot of the psalms, that the guy's situation, his circumstances, don't seem to change, right? So these, these uh, you know, um, He's crying himself to sleep at night. Um, he has people, you know, saying, hey, where's your God? There's no indication that those things stopped. Like, like, he's still dealing with those external issues. But what changes is his internal disposition. His heart, his mind, his affections, his conscience, his will turns the corner. I think this is also helpful for me personally. Notice how he says, why are you cast down and why are you in turmoil within me? Like, he doesn't e even seem to know exhaustively why he's in this condition. He's like, why, why am I like this? I don't even know. So I would just say this, be patient with people. Like, if you're struggling with introspection, you're asking someone else to help you. Like, if you don't even know your own condition, they probably don't either. <laughs> so be patient, right, as we're helping each other. We are complex individuals. That's why we talked through the faculties of the soul. Sometimes we don't understand all our own problems. But he's saying, hey, why are you like this? I, I don't know exhaustively why but we need to do what's right. We need to hope in God. I think verse five, just a couple notes here. Why are you cast down? The Hebrew suggests melting away or like dissolving, okay? This is a serious condition. He says the soul is in turmoil. It's a word often used in the Old Testament dealing with roaring waves. Like his soul is upset. 
He's struggling, okay? Why are you so troubled? And he doesn't know exhaustively why, but he knows what he needs to do. Second half there, hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. I think it's helpful to notice the two specific things that he says, um, you know, what he tells us about the God that he's hoping in. He says, number one, he's my salvation. And number two, he's my God. He mentions, yes, I shall again praise him. Um, That's true. You know, he's talking about whether that's um, maybe in the future he's expecting to join with Israel's people and worship again, or it could be he's talking about eschatological, like after he dies, maybe he'll praise the Lord. We don't really know exactly. But I think it's helpful, especially on this topic of introspection, he reminds himself of what's most important. God is my God, and he has saved me. Those two things. So when you're struggling and you don't even know why sometimes, start here. Preach yourself these two things. I know that God is my God and he has saved me. That's the most important thing. You preach that to yourself. You take yourself by the hand. You don't listen to yourself. Rather, you talk to yourself. Verse 6. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. It says, my soul is cast down. Therefore, I remember you. This is another good point. I think when we're struggling with introspection or, or spiritual depression, we need to first go to God. Go to God first. You go to his word. You encourage yourself with the truth. Sometimes we'll say, hey, if you're depressed, you're feeling down, man, just get your mind off of it. Go, maybe you need to go like, enjoy your favorite hobby. Maybe you need to go do some woodworking with Don and Mike, okay, right? Or you need to watch your favorite Netflix TV show. I think there's a time and place for those things but I don't think it's actually the first thing we need to do. It is good to get your mind off of me, myself, and I and thinking about my thinking, but you need to redirect your mind and first think about the Lord. Does that make sense? So I think doing something, literally anything, those hobbies might be good, but they're downstream from what the psalmist does. What does he say? My soul is cast down. I'm in turmoil. I'm having problems. Therefore, because I'm cast down, because I'm struggling with this, therefore, I remember you. Do you see see what he's saying there? Start there. Go to the Lord. He's deliberate because of the sorrow, because he's cast down. This is why we talked about fighting the fight of faith, right? Um, Because this is action we need to take. You need to be deliberate. You need to, because I mean, I'll just tell you, when you're struggling with depression, it is easy to just get your mind off of it and watch your favorite TV show. Like that's easier than reading the Psalms, right? And struggling with your soul, right? That's why we need to be mindful. We need to fight the good fight of the faith. We need to take on um, you know, the shield of faith, the sword of the Spirit, and press on. So when you're down in the depths, you need to tell yourself to remember the goodness of God. Verse 7, deep calls to deep. At the roar of your waterfalls, all your breakers and your waves have gone over me. That last line there, all your breakers and your waves have gone over me, it's a very specific Hebrew phrase. It's only found in one other place in the whole Bible, Jonah 2. Jonah 2, verse 3, when Jonah is actually in the belly of the great fish, okay? The exact same phrase. You say, so what? Like, number one, it highlights just how desperate of a condition he's in. Comparing it to, like, being in the belly of a great fish, (laughs) that's pretty bad, (laughs) okay? Like, he's struggling. He's really struggling with this. But I think, two, he's also preaching to himself the comfort of trusting in a sovereign God, 
Notice what he says. Your breakers and your waves. I mean, he even recognizes that this trial, this affliction, whatever he's in, comes from God's hands, right? It is not outside of his control. He's over it. And because he's over it, he can help the psalmist through it, right? He can totally help him. So remember, in your struggles, maybe you're struggling with, with something like this. You can, maybe you can vibe with the psalmist here in Psalm 42. You're like, man, this feels like me sometimes. Well, just remember that the sustainer of the universe can and will sustain you. He can and he does help you. And he's helping you to look more like his son in and through this trial. Verse 8. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. He says, by day and night, okay? So if earlier he's saying, you know, night and day I'm crying and I'm struggling, well, here down here in verse 8, he's saying by day and night, throughout his whole day, throughout his whole life, God is with him, right? He's continually with him, even through the sorrows. And he commands his what? His steadfast love. The ESV continually or excuse me, consistently translates a Hebrew word called hesed, um, and they translate it as steadfast love. And you're like, well, so what? Well, steadfast love goes back to God's covenant-keeping faithful love, right? So if you think of the Abrahamic covenant, um, in particular, the Mosaic covenant, Davidic covenant, all these covenants, God is promising himself to be faithful to his people, even when they're faithless to him. And so even when, you know, you're faithless, you're struggling, Day and night, the Lord is faithful to you. And at night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. God is ever faithful to his people, so he's the one we deliberately turn to. Okay, that's Psalm 42. I mean, we could say a lot more, but (laughs) we're already running out of time, and I have a lot of psalms on that page, okay? So that's Psalm 42. Anything briefly you had questions about or wanted to say on that? It's not super helpful. I don't want to say it's not super helpful, but if it's more like specific, not helpful to introspection. Talk to me afterwards, okay? Uh, yes? Uh, just, just the, the, the you know, saying right there, reading his Martin Lloyd's thing, it, it is so helpful. Oh, yeah. Because we do really tend to listen to ourselves, and if you think about it, um, you tend to listen, and the things that you say are just like way beyond proportion of uh, sometimes the bad that they are. Yes. My, my wife's really good for me because sometimes you yeah, yeah. And so I'm learning how to shut myself down and doing it's good. Doing this because yeah. we tend to paint, paint a very bleak picture and we make God very small. Right. Yeah. That's true. I got nothing to add to that because that's true. Yep. Yeah, if you realize most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you're listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself. So good. Okay, I want to try and go in sequential order quickly here because we've got maybe 15 minutes. Psalm 31. So go back. I want to go Psalm 31 and then move forward to to some of the other ones. Psalm 31. So again, maybe some of these psalms are, the intent is maybe one or two of these resonates with you. Maybe one of them doesn't. Okay, that's okay. Psalm 42. I think that's a really helpful place to start. You're struggling or you know someone who's struggling. Walk through Psalm 42 with them, right? I think that's another thing is maybe you're not here because you're really struggling with introspection, but you know someone who is. Well, just take them through some of these psalms. Just walk through it with them. Okay, Psalm 31. Psalm 31. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. Incline your ear to me. Rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. For you are my rock 
and my fortress, and for your namesake you lead me and guide me. We don't know the exact historical setting um, of this psalm. You know, David's the author, um, but it goes on to talk about some very serious trials that David was going through. Verse 13 makes it clear that there's, there's wicked men, right? Um, I hear the whispering of many terror on every side as they scheme together against me, as they plot to take my life. Okay, so there's wicked men um, seeking to kill him, right? And in all of this, verse 3, God is my rock and my fortress. So that's kind of the setting. I wanted to hone in on verses 9 to 10. I find this very interesting, particularly thinking about a cause of introspection, right? If we're thinking about why we do it and then what we should do, I think this is an interesting cause. Look at verse 9. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye is wasted from grief. My soul and my body also, his whole being. I mean, he is struggling. Verse 10, for my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity and my bones waste away. I think in light of the context of there's wicked men going after him, right? Seeking to take his life. I would expect him to say something like, my strength fails away in fear of my enemies. Or like, my strength fails away because I'm tired of running away from my enemies. But what does he say? He actually says it's because of his own sin. Like, that's why he's, you know, he's lost his strength. That's why he's tired and weary. It doesn't seem to be fitting given the circumstances. And I think it's a reminder that oftentimes our circumstances are setting, especially if something bad happens, some external heat, we might say, something like that happens, it causes us to look inward, okay? And sometimes it can be like, totally random or seemingly random, right? Something, you know, like, you're, like something trivial, like your car breaks down, okay? And it's just like, man, my car breaks down. It's just like, what did I do? Like, oh my goodness, I did that. I'm such an idiot. Like, is the Lord doing this because I sinned? Like, oh my goodness, what's going on, right? Like something like that happens or something, maybe some, you know, serious weighty, you know, health struggle or something like that is going on. And that happens and you just look to yourself and it's just like, I've sinned. Like, I've done something wrong. Does that happen to anyone else? Like, that's happened to me, okay? Maybe you're like, I can't resonate with that situation. Um, But again, like I said, carpet bombing, okay? Um, Painting with broad brushstrokes. So something like that happens. Maybe it was completely unrelated, but nonetheless, you're stuck there. You're stuck with your sin, and you're struggling. You're saying like with David, my eye is wasted from grief. My soul and my body also. I'm sorrowful. My ears with sighing. My strength is failing because of my iniquity. I just say this, if you have sinned, go to the Lord, confess your sins. I mean, 1 John is very clear that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. So whatever life circumstance may happen, if the Lord uses it to examine yourself and you see that there is sin there, confess your sin. I mean, this will happen. The Lord will use providential acts in life where you think you're running the race well, you think you're walking and then he'll use a sermon, he'll use just a friend's snarky comment even, something like that. And you're like, man, I need to deal with something. So deal with it and continue pressing on and fight the good fight. That's great that the Lord is gracious and reveals that sin. You confess your sin and you say with David here, pick back up in uh, verse 14. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. Make your face shine on your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. Verse 22, I had said in my alarm, I am cut off from your sight, but you heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. 
when I cried to you for help. So cry to him for help. Love the Lord. Here's what you're preaching to yourself. Love the Lord, all you his saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but abundantly repays the one who acts in pride. Don't act in pride. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. So I think maybe that's a helpful principle there, Psalm 31. Psalm 46. Psalm 46. Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Whatever your trouble is, whether the mountains are jumping into the ocean or tsunamis coming, you got raging seas all around you, or even if your thoughts and your spiritual depression seem worse than ever. See how I deliberately set that up? Like it's like, wow, it would be really bad if like the mountains just all of a sudden jumped into the sea because then you got a major tsunami. Like if the Lord is sovereign over that and he controls that situation, do you think he might be able to help you with your thoughts? Yes. <laughs> That's kind of what the psalmist is framing here. He's a very present help in trouble. He's still presently our refuge and strength. Flip over to verse 10. Be still and know that I am God, regardless of whatever these circumstances may be. Be still, know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Sometimes a cause of introspection is because we're alone with our thoughts. Another cause could be we're going everywhere all at once. Rather than being alone, we're just doing everything. And we're just bouncing from this to this. We're talking to this person and all this. And then, you know, something happens. We're like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I said that. Why did I say that? I'm pathetic. I'm terrible. Oh, uh, uh. you see what I'm saying? Maybe the problem is not that you're just alone with your thoughts. Maybe you're never alone with your thoughts. And you're never alone with God and his word. And you're never bringing these things before him. Could be all these other circumstances. Whatever it may be, I think you need to start here. Stop. Verse 10. Be still. Be still. It's a call to stop. Quite simply, a lot of us in our lives, we need to make time to stop. We're doing far too much. We're filling our lives with noise, music, social media, whatever it might be. Stop. Know that I am God. It's not just a mental comprehension. It's an acknowledgement and bringing your life into conformity. Stop. Be still. Know experientially in your life, live in light of the fact that God is God and that he's going to be exalted among the nations. He's going to be exalted in the earth. Deliberately slow down, stop, remind yourself that God is on his throne. Psalm 63. Again, painting with broad brushstrokes. Make a note of these. Come back to these. Psalm 63, so good. So good. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied. As with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. 
when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for you. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. I want to stop there. Just two points. First, you need to preach to yourself that you want to be satisfied with the Lord. Preach to yourself that you actually want to be satisfied with the Lord. I mean, this is key to the Psalms, that I think the psalmist, whether it's, you know, David or Asaph or the sons of Korah, whoever the author is, sometimes we don't even know, I think they're sincere, they're genuine. It's not just flippantly like, Lord, I really need some help. Just, just, just help me today. And you just out the door. Okay. I think they're genuinely pouring out their souls. They're crying out to the Lord for help. Look at verse three. Because your steadfast love is better than life. He's saying he'd rather have that covenant keeping faithful love of God than life without him, right? Like that's how important God's love is. My lips will praise you. He's earnestly desiring God. Verse 5, my soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. I mean, there are sometimes, maybe this is just me, but like, I like really good food. And sometimes, like, I'd rather have that than the Lord, if I'm being honest. Like, I just want to satisfy my stomach. <laughs> okay? But this guy is sincere. He's doing it. My soul will be satisfied. So tell yourself that you want to be satisfied with the Lord. I want to find my joy, satisfaction in you. Second half of verse 5. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. Tell yourself that you want to have joy in the Lord. Lord, I want to find my ultimate joy, my ultimate satisfaction, my ultimate hope in you and in you alone. So preach yourself that you want to be satisfied. Number two, pursue being satisfied with the Lord. It's related to that first point, okay? You can't just leave it after saying, Lord, I I want to be satisfied, and then move on to something else. You need to pursue Him. So pursue the things that will cause you to be satisfied in the Lord. John Owen had a really helpful quote for me that has just stuck with me. He's talking about prayer. He's talking about prayer and all the reasons why you should do it. It's absolute gold. And then he ends with just this, pursue your prayers. Pursue your prayers. So in other words, if you're saying, Lord, please help me, uh, um, you know, gain victory over this sin, or Lord, please save uh, my neighbor John, or something like that, whatever it is, don't just leave it there. Like the Lord uses divinely appointed means to accomplish those things, okay? So if it's you want to gain conflict over this sin, well, then pluck out that right eye that's causing you to stumble, right? You see what I'm saying there? Like pursue your prayers. It's not just a let go, let God. You earnestly pursue those things. If you're praying, Lord, please save my neighbor John. Go witness to your neighbor John, right? Same thing with introspection. Lord, please help me to not be alone with my thoughts. Well, then don't be alone with your thoughts. (laughs) Fill your mind. Renew your mind with the Spirit as He moves through His Word. Um, I need to move on because we're going to run out of time. Psalm 73. Psalm 73. And I might fly through this one really quick because I want to get to Psalm 77. Psalm 73 is helpful for me because he starts in verse 3. He says, I was envious of the arrogant when he saw the prosperity of the wicked. He's discontent. He's frustrated with what's going on. He even says in verse 13, all in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. You know, he's saying maybe it's been a complete waste to live righteously. And in verse 17, he turns, he has a problem with his thoughts. 
But notice what he does. So he's, he's struggling in his thinking. He turns the corner here. I'll start in verse 16. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned their end. He talks about how the, the wicked will not prosper in the end. I just wanted to, how does this relate to introspection? Verse 25, he says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there's nothing on earth that I desire besides you. So in verse 3, he starts, he's envious of the wicked. Verse 25, after considering God, he only desires him. Okay? So I think that crucial hinge point is going to the Lord and telling yourself, you know, you need to be reminded of him. Don't forget the first thing. Verse 28, but for me, it's good to be near God. I've made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. I would just say this. Don't waste your introspection. Maybe you've heard something like that. You know, don't waste your cancer. You know, John Piper talks about that. Don't waste these things that the Lord brings into your life. Look, introspection in and of itself is not good, okay? You know, it's kind of like Romans, um, is it five? What, shall we sin more that grace may abound? Romans six, I think. Um, No, you don't. But it's often in your sin that you see God's grace shine all the more clearly. So don't forget God's grace shining all the more clearly. You see what I'm saying? So don't waste your introspection. Use it to your good as the psalmist does here. It's good to be near God. So turn that corner and get near to God. Psalm 77. I think we'll end here. Psalm 77. Verse 1. I cry aloud to God. Aloud to God and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. You hold my eyelids open. I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. This might be encouraging in a sober way to some of you, but here's a guy where it just seems that absolutely nothing is working. (laughs) Right? What's he saying? My soul just simply refuses to be comforted. It's not working. I'm remembering God. That's what I'm supposed to do. And what happens? I moan. When I meditate, he's not just, you know, emptying his mind, you know, trash, modern spirituality where meditate is empty your mind. He's meditating on the Lord, filling himself with true thoughts. And what happens? My spirit faints. Verse 4, I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. He's using all the means that the Lord has given him, and he's still struggling. You guys see that, right? I think it's a good reminder. Sometimes spiritual depression is no quick fix. It's not like, hey, you know, you go to the doctor's office, hey, take two of these, you'll be better in the morning, okay? That's probably not, in some cases, that's not the case, okay? He's struggling. Sometimes the soul refuses to be comforted. So, and this is key, what does he do? What does he do? Does he just give up, move on to the next thing, fill his mind with something else? Nope. Verse 11. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your almighty deeds. He's going to remember who God is. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. And he goes on. He doesn't move on when his soul is down and stuck in the mud, he goes back to the only path forward, deliberately setting your mind on God. You go to him. You trust by faith that God will speak through his word. This is another quote from John Owen. John Owen's a personal just hero of mine. Everything he says is just so rich. 
It often so falls out in our communion, our day-to-day walking with the Lord, our relationship with, with Christ. It often so falls out in our communion with Christ when private and public means fail, and the soul has nothing left but waiting silently and walking humbly. It's often when we're stuck in the mud, is what he's saying, Christ appears, that his so doing may be evidently of grace. Basically what he's saying is like, that will happen just to make it so clear that it's just God and his pure grace. And he's the one who deserves all glory and all praise because it's only of him. So you go back to that. You continually remind yourself you don't move on. When your soul refuses to be comforted, you keep doing what you know you should do. Remember the Lord. Meditate on him. You're struggling. Hey, you don't know where to turn. Go to Romans 8. Go to Romans 8 and just talk about, you know, how there's no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. And you just talk about the blessing of life in the Spirit and how nothing will separate us from the love of Christ. Just meditate on Romans 8 for an hour and just pray. Read the verse and then respond to the Lord. Thank you. And Lord, please help me. Or you go to Ephesians 1 maybe and you're just talking, you know, you just see so clearly God's power and grace and sovereignty and election and predestination all on display. And you just meditate on how great God is. You see what I'm saying? You just keep going to those places. You go to these psalms that are helpful. Um, I am out of time. Maybe we'll look at Psalm 121, Psalm 130. Well, we will spend time on Psalm 130 because 130 is amazing. Psalm 121, just real briefly. Psalm 121, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. It's so simple, so simple, not sinful. If that's what I said, I don't even know what I said. It's so simple and it's so helpful. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. You have a problem, whatever it may be, introspection, mountains jumping into the ocean, whatever your problem is, your help is the one who made heaven and earth. I think he can help you, okay? So you just walk through that psalm with yourself. Lord, I know that you are my helper. helper. Lord, please help me. I'm really struggling with X, Y, and Z. Help me to think true thoughts. Help me to um, be rid of these problems, these struggles I have, just being anxious with all these things. Lord, please help me. Help me to think what's true. You see what I'm saying? You just do that over and over. That's what we have to do. I think it's, it's why I spent time looking at the armor of the Lord is because God has given us everything we need for life and godliness in Christ and in his word. The problem is we just don't take up that shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit. Okay, so here's your shield of faith. Here's your sword of the Spirit. You got to use them, okay? Okay, so that's all I've got for this morning. Psalm 130, it's, that's fine to end there because Psalm 130 we'll look at um, either next week or the week after. We're going to really hone in on dealing with guilt, okay, for the past or sin in the past. What do we do, okay? So we'll pick back up next week. Was that helpful? Okay, go to the Psalms. All right, you guys are dismissed.